Hi, I'm Rami. And I'm Shannon, and this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about interesting things we've read, heard, learned, experienced, <laughs> to help all of us expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy, but without a whole new degree. Rami, what are we talking about this week? <laughs> okay, so I love Walter Isaacson. We've done a few of his books so far. We did Da Vinci, we did uh, Ben Franklin. I think those were like some of the first episodes we did way back yeah i don't think we've done steve jobs yet so maybe we'll get to him eventually he wrote a book on einstein that's what we're gonna talk about this week his life and universe uh by walter isaacson shannon when you think of einstein what do you think of what i think about right now in this moment is a woman uh, a friend of mine told me recently that allegedly there are conspiracy theorists out there who say that his wife was really the brain and it wasn't him. So lately, when I think about Einstein, I think, is that true? Was his wife the brainchild? But because of the time that they lived in, he took the credit for it to make sure that Maybe. the ideas got out in the uh, world. His first wife certainly helped him with some of the like the math and things. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think because he continued to be very prolific after they separated, um, I don't know, uh, but maybe that would be an interesting topic. So that's the thing that I think about. <laughs> I've always really liked Einstein um, as a child i really liked him i thought he looked funny um <laughs> the theory of relativity has always been a fun um like mind game to think about um but let's talk about einstein I, there's a really big elephant in the room for me with this episode that i'm gonna just leave until the end of the episode so just know that at some point Rami's going to show you what the elephant is, and then we'll talk about it. And it's not... I'll say nothing else, because I don't want to set it up in any way and distract from where we're going to go. So Einstein, um, he was not a great experimenter, which is strange to think about. Mm -hmm. He was a great theoretical physics physicist. Uh, so he worked in theories, but he relied on others to prove them correct or incorrect. So he would say, I think this thing works this way. And here's the math and here's all the things. Uh, but I need people to go and do the actual experiment to say, is that valid or is that not valid? Um, and he also liked to think in thought experiments to help him think through things that didn't make sense to him. But we'll talk about more on that in a bit. Okay, so... I'm kind of just going to jump around because that's how my notes are. And I don't know why they're in the order that they are. But let's talk about um, he went to university. His biggest focus, it's so strange to me. His biggest focus for the beginning part of his life was to become a professor. Like he was determined to become a professor. I think because not that he liked to profess or lecture, but that he liked the idea of like getting all day to work on his 
things that he was trying to figure out. Mm. So it wasn't like, I want to be a professor because I want to enrich people's lives and like teach them. It was, I want to become a professor because my professors just friggin' do experiments all day. Not experiments, but like think through things all day. And that's what I want to do. So it took him nine years after his graduation and four years after his miracle year to get an academic job. So let's talk about this miracle year really quickly. So Einstein's yeah, night. I, I don't know what that phrase means. What does that mean? Okay, so let me explain. Einstein's okay. 1905 burst of creativity was astonishing. He had devised a revolutionary quantum theory of light. He helped prove the existence of atoms. He explained Brownian motion and upended the concept of space and time and what would become science's best known equation. Do we know Einstein's equation, Shannon? E equals MC squared. You got it. I was like really scared that I would not have it. <laughs> Science was not my subject. I agree. I'm a scientist and it's not my subject. <laughs> but many people seem not to notice at first. According to his sister, Einstein had hoped that his flurry of essays in preeminent journals would lift him from obscurity of a third class patent examiner and provide him some academic recognition in a job, but he was bitterly disappointed. She noted he had an icy silence followed following the publications. So Shannon, in 1905, he was like breaking everything. Yeah. Everything that everyone had ever believed. He was kind of like disproving it all and explaining things that people had never found an explanation to. And still people were like, we're not going to hire like, we're wow. not going to hire you as a professor, Einstein. Like, get out of here. Wow. That's wild to think about. Like, f yeah, four years after all that. And then finally, I ima imagine he gets a break. Okay. So um, he wanted to be a professor because he wanted to just work on his mind experiments. But because he couldn't find a job right away, one of his friends... Um, helped him get a job as a patent clerk. So I want to talk about being bored at work is what gave him time to do his theoretical physics. So there's an old line that Einstein did his best work when he was working at a Swiss patent office. And that's actually true. He soon learned that he could work on the patent application so quickly that it left him time to sneak in his own scientific thinking during the day. A quote from him is, I was able to do a full day's work in only two or three hours so the remaining part of the day, I would work on my own ideas. And whenever anyone would come by, I would cram my notes in my desk drawer and pretend to work on my office work. Wow. <laughs> I'm not like it's it's not surprising to me because I feel like you hear this from a lot of people at that like genius level that this is what they do or this is how they operate. I yeah, I'm not saying my brothers are geniuses, but frankly, I kind of think of my brothers in in the category of like they work day jobs but they learn how to do them as efficiently as possible so that they can go do what they really want to do with the extra time that they're saving i think of people Genius. that we worked with at target who are like that who are like look i'm here because i need a paycheck let me see how like how quickly can i get my job done so that i can go then spend the extra time doing the things that i'm really actually interested in yeah like training for a uh... What was the thing you did, Shannon? An Iron Man. Uh, Iron Man? Yeah. Uh, Iron Person. Um, 
Have you ever been bored at work? Yeah, who hasn't? What did you do at that time? Uh, honestly, I probably stressed about the fact that I was bored at work. <laughs> Used that time to figure out, like, what should I be doing because I'm really bored right now. Clearly, this isn't the job for me, so I need to make a change. <laughs> That's probably what I did with the time. I will tell you my example of being bored at work was I ended up listening to a lot of podcasts, which is what kicked us off in making this podcast. Mm. I don't know, a hundred odd episodes ago was when I was bored at work. I was like, oh, I'm reading a lot of books. Like we could talk about these things. Uh, why don't we start a podcast? So that's what happened to me when I was bored at work. But I think the uh, interesting thing is like he appreciated that time that he had and like used it, right? Like he used and leveraged all that time to get other things done, um, which I think is so fascinating. So yes, he was very prolific in his time as a Swiss patent clerk. Um, okay, so Einstein, 1905, burst of creativity. No one will ever match that year of how insane everything that he came up with was. Um, he gets to the point where he is recognized by the world for his um, specific theory of relativity and then his general theory of relativity and have you seen that movie Lightyear, shannon no so it kind of plays into that movie and i was trying to explain to prince my kid who's three like the theory of relativity anyways in the movie he um buzz lightyear like leaves the planet and travels at the speed of light or close to the speed of light away from it and then back and then as he does that to test out an engine or I don't remember what it was, he like had to get away from them far enough so that he could and fast enough that he could try and do something to save this planet he was on. Should we have put a spoiler alert on this episode? No, that's like the beginning of the movie. <laughs> OK, OK. Um, but every time he comes back, everyone on the planet has aged 20 years or 30 years or some some amount of time has passed because he's going closer to light oh, speed. Yeah. So the theory of relativity says like. If two twins exist and one is on Earth and one is traveling near the speed of light, when they come back to each other, the one who has been traveling at the speed of light has aged less than the one who was on Earth, mm -hmm. right? It's all about the speed of light and how it's relative. Um, where was I going with this? Okay, so he becomes like very, very famous because... One, it's fairly easy to understand this concept in if you use that thought experiment um, of the twins, like one going into space and one staying. Um, but anyways, once he became who he became, which is Einstein, the, the great um, physicist and uh, Nobel Prize winner, he was a professor at uh, Princeton University. Which, fun fact, I always wanted to go to Princeton because Einstein was there. You did? Uh, I didn't know I was know obsessed that. with Einstein. Look As a kid, I was obsessed with pants. Einstein. We'll get there, Shannon. I did not go to Princeton. Um, but he spent so much of his adult life when he didn't have to work sailing or walking around. And they're like, if you can't find Einstein, he's either like in the neighborhood in New Jersey, wherever Princeton is. 
or he's like on his boat just like thinking like sailing or walking and thinking like very deep inside his own head in the same way that he was doing at the patent office but just in a in the exact space that he would want to do that so my question to you shannon is what is your version of sailing or walking Mm. that like lets you really get deep inside of the things that you're trying to think through i have a couple one of them is walking too uh, I have a, a new puppy that's a little bit of a spazzo, and so I don't typically listen to things while I walk her, depending on where we are and what we're doing. So that's good thinking time, truly. My second is coffee shops. I do a lot of great thinking in coffee shops. It's just like my time to decompress. And then my third is in the bath. It's like just mm-hmm. like because I, I purposely set it up so it's like sensory deprivation. You know, it's like mm, you're just here. This is all you're doing. You're not listening to something it's it. What about you? Uh, running is my biggest one. And then when I go to pick up my kid, it's like a very quiet time for me to like get in my own head. The other one that just happened last night for me is in the middle of the night. Sometimes I can't like I, I can't sleep. I'll wake up in the middle of the night. And lately I've been telling myself like, okay, this is just a sign that I'm supposed to there's something that wants to come through or get worked out. I like that. So I think it's important to have that space. Um, And we're going non-chronologically, which maybe Einstein would appreciate. As a kid, he was curious about everything. And the thing about the books that Walter Isaacson writes or the people I think he chooses to write about is they are always curious, right? Like we talked about Ben Franklin, Mm. very curious. We talked about Da Vinci, very curious. Einstein, super curious Mm -hmm. Uh, my son has a book about einstein and in it they talk about like the curiosity is almost like the thing with einstein is like each of the books is like oh this is a person like here's what their thing is and for uh einstein it's like being curious so as a child he got a compass and he was just like fascinated with trying to understand like how it worked why it always pointed north like all of those things um, and just trying to figure it out. And so he was also like perpetually curious about everything, but, um, my question for you, and I can give you my example is like, when you were a kid, was there a toy that you were just like fascinated with how it like worked? Uh, no, for me, it's always been people, people. This is maybe sounds like a shitty thing to say. People are my sense of like i'm obsessed with people i'm obsessed with how people work and how people function and how they think and so that's the thing that i spend a lot of time on or spend a lot of time with but it does remind me of my nephew i was just talking to my brother about this as i had my daughter talia and my nephew bryce with me and my nephew is very mechanically inclined. It's crazy to see it at even like such a young age. So I took them both to the science museum and he needed to know how different things worked. And Talia was like, dinosaur skeletons, cool. You know, like she doesn't, she's not as interested in how things work. But Bryce, for sure. He was asking me about water towers and all these questions about water. I'm like, I don't, I don't know anything about water towers. <laughs> Well, what How about do they get the water you? in the tower? Do they like pump it 
up my, it's gonna take a lot of like power to like get it up there yeah my dad was explaining it but then like the purpose behind it is so that then it's there as a reservoir with gravity there to let it come like, down you can get it out you very ever, easy exactly so like but use it's the not gonna be easy to, to get, get it, it in there yeah so like use the pump to get it in there and then it's like in the reservoir when gravity can just release it down when you need it if you need it that- Right? I like that. <laughs> what about uh, you? My dad had one of those birds that like had a cup of water and if you like got its beak wet and then you let it like bobble, it would like keep drinking the water. Do you remember those things? I don't just, think like, I've ever drinking? seen one of these. It's goofy. Uh I didn't ever understand how it worked, but I was like incessantly excited about how it would work. I still don't understand how cds work we talked about how music works i don't understand how data being written on things works yes so that's just gonna be me as a old man screaming at the clouds because cds don't exist anymore and i never got a chance to understand (laughs) how they were made um okay the really fascinating thing we got two more really fascinating things I want to talk about, and then we'll we'll address the elephant that I've got sitting behind me in this room. Is there an elephant in this room? I don't think so. <laughs> but so, you can't see it. It's off camera. There's an elephant off camera in this room. Um, he was convinced that math, science worked in unison with the world. Like there was not that it was. How do I phrase this? It he he didn't think everything was driven by like a higher power. But he felt like everything always was in unison and there was like a a music to it. In that, I think like, about it as like an energetic current. Like there's a current. That for me feels similar to what you're describing. And I'm surprised he didn't describe it as a current with his science. He just background. saw everything working like in such like synchronicity or uniformity that like the equations all validated each other. And there was like certain things like pi, right? Like 3.14, whatever that exist as like perfect functions and everything functions within that. And so a lot of what he was uncovering, he always said like, I'm not, these aren't theories that I'm like coming up with. I'm just finding them because this is how everything works like he he just saw everything working in such beauty that he was just kind of pulling the layers behind and saying okay this is what is allowing that to function the way that it does Mm. and so everything always had to agree with other things and couldn't disagree for the most part Hmm. the really fascinating thing about einstein is he was such a fierce challenger of the status quo at the beginning of his career. Like, he was that young, plucky guy who was like, here's my theory of relativity. Yeah. And everybody's like, what in the world is that? Like, that that seemingly disagrees with the things that we've known before that. Um, and he was such a challenger of the status quo. And that's what allowed him to come up with that theory of relativity. It disagreed with the common beliefs at the time. But... What's so fascinating is by the time you get to the end of his career, he was the like stalwart who was like, these things don't make sense. They disagree with the other things. And so like he almost as a deterrent to his legacy was against major scientific revelations towards the end of his life 
because he just couldn't comprehend how that would function. And he was wrong a lot of the time, which is fascinating. How old was he when he died? Roughly. Uh, was he in I his, I don't, like, I have no context. 60s, 80s? I will tell you. Give me just a second. He died uh, when he was 76 in 1955. Hmm. Uh, having a dad with dementia, I was thinking maybe he was just, like, losing it a little bit. And that's why he wasn't himself. But that maybe doesn't test. So my question to you, Shannon, is like, how do we prevent ourselves from becoming the old guard, those stalwarts, and be open to the challenge of the status quo? Two things come to mind here. One is uh, softening around legacy. I think so many of us get fixated on wanting to leave a legacy. And I get curious about for him, was he trying to preserve his legacy and that, you know, so he didn't want these new ideas to come forth that might challenge any sort of legacy that he would leave so how do we detach from that grip on wanting to leave a legacy and then the the second thing that comes to mind is an old episode that we did on uh david clutterbuck or the quote i'm going to try to find it now that was all about once a month like challenging your beliefs or assumptions about what Mm -hmm. you think is a set way i think it's episode 98 folks if you want to go back and listen to that episode and I'm not like I'm not saying I do these things. I get stuck in this grind just as much as the next person of like being old guard sometimes on things. But those are two practical ways that I'm gonna think about being open. I'm gonna try to remember to think about what I'm in my seventies of being open to challenging the status quo. And, and I say, think about yourself now too, Shannon, because I think about if you've been in a company for a year, two years, three years. You get new people in and they go, hey, why do we do things that way? Mm -hmm. How come we don't try this? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, we tried it. It failed. They're like, oh. I I think the thing that we can do in those moments is encourage them to fail, right? Like, we've tried it. It didn't work. But, like, let me tell you what didn't work about when we tried it. Maybe you can find a new way to try that thing. Like, encourage those younger, more eager people to fail in the places where you've already failed. And maybe... In doing that, you'll uncover something new. Because I think I- I've certainly been in that position myself where someone's like, oh, this this process sucks. Like, why don't we have a better way of doing this? I'm like, we tried other ways. Like, this is just the way that functions for us. Yeah. And it's almost like if you want to try it, like, let me let me give you my advice and then, like, go fail. Like, go fail and, and maybe we get something better out of this is, is how I think about that in, like, a work environment. And in a life environment, like, don't let our previous failures or our our experience in history cloud the ability for others to move past that. Mm. Okay. Wisdom. Do we want to address the elephant that's Let's over there? Let's address it. it. But it's over there. Okay. So the reason I was always obsessed with Einstein is um, because of my heritage. So my family on both sides is from Nazareth. They're on different sides of one mountain in Palestine. That part of Palestine is technically Israel. And Einstein is very much entwined with the founding of Israel. So if you think back to the 1920s, 1930s, Einstein is like one of the most famous people in the world. Like he would publish a new 
paper and it would literally be on the front page of newspaper shannon he was going viral all the time (laughs) in today's terms yeah all the time um and he was so famous that he would tour and they would sell out lectures like people were like i need to go see einstein talk about general relativity um but uh chaim weissman who was at that point petitioning for a state of Israel to exist, went on tour with him to raise money to found, find the, the state of Israel, mm. the country of Israel. Um, and because of that, and because he was the most famous Jewish person in the world, they actually asked him to be the first president of Israel. Wow. I didn't know that. He, he was like, yo, two things. I don't speak Hebrew. This isn't going to work out. Two, I want nothing to do with politics. So, like, why would I be a... Like, I barely want to work. Like, why would I want to do a lot of work? He wants to go and sail. He wants to, like, lecture and, like, talk about the things he finds fascinating. Yes. This dude was never going to be like, yeah, sign me up. Like, let's get those meetings going because that's what I want to do. Um One of the big things that at that point he was really focused on was getting a university in Israel that was there for for people who are Jewish. Because he found so much of a struggle at that time, right? If you think about the hatred towards um, Jewish people in the world, right? Because of World War I and World War II. Like he couldn't get a professorship partially because of his background and partially because like all of his theories hadn't been proven yet. Um, and so that was one of the things that they had really fought for was to, to find a university there. They ended up finding Hebrew university and then also the Weissman Institute. So Chaim Weissman had the Institute named after him with this idea that it would finally allow, uh, people who are Israeli or Jewish to like have a place to be a professor, have a place to like, study um einstein never visited israel after its founding and um never visited the universities that he helped find establish um because he was very much opposed to the way israel was founded and the way that they treated arabs as second-class citizens because he's like we're doing to the arabs what everybody was doing to us and how does that how is that any better and like we should know better because we've already been treated that way to not treat them that way Mm. okay so let's get to the full part here which is the weissman institute is a very prestigious postgraduate school right you can do your postdoc your postgraduate schools uh, my dad was the first Arab to graduate from there with a degree. What? So this is where I'm saying, like, the elephant to me that I'm really bothered by is, like, they find these universities because they were finding that they were excluded. And it took until my dad graduating. I think he got his, it was postdoc. So what's postdoctorate? Like a uh, master's or something? Because um, he'd already have his doctorate. Or graduate, postgraduate degree. I don't know. Whatever. He got one of his organic chemistry fancy degrees from them. And he was the first Arab to do so. 
in Holy I don't know like the eighties or something. You guys, I just met Rami's dad for the first time last summer, and he's such a lovely man. Like he's such a uh, um, a modest, humble are the words that comes to mind for how gifted I suspect he is. Or yeah. So I just want to put that out there. That's incredible. And I can't believe I've known you all this time and I never knew that. Well, I think it's fascinating. I don't think even he knew for a while. And I was like, how did you find out? He's like, well, it wasn't until after I graduated that one of my pressers was like, oh, you were like the first Arab to graduate through here. Wow. And so then I asked my dad, I was like, do you remember being in any classes with Arabs? Like, were there any Arabs around? He's like, no, I never saw any. He's like, but I was just so used to it because in the more advanced degrees that he'd been in every everything that he studied was in hebrew right like at home mm-hmm. he would speak arabic with his family and i was talking to my cousin actually the other day and he's like because nazareth because all these places are in the state of israel like hebrew is the language right so like our kids aren't even learning how to read and write in arabic anymore because that language is not useful to them in in the world yeah because they live they're in. going out there they're writing in hebrew they're reading in hebrew they're speaking hebrew everything is in hebrew wow um and so i just find it so fascinating that einstein pushed for it and then realized after the fact like oh we screwed up we screwed the pooch here and how much that has stayed the course and like once you've established something, it's very hard to go against that. So mm-hmm. all of that is to say, like, I slightly play into the story through adjacencies of my dad. But being a person whose heritage comes from the same place, like I always looked up to him because I was like, oh, he's cool. He's like kind of the same as me. Like if he can do that, like if he can go to Princeton, I could go to Princeton. Yeah. I didn't yeah. go to Princeton. So maybe it's not the same. <laughs> but um that's that's the elephant. That's the the adjacency there. But I, I find it fascinating that he he was always a quiet political person until he started realizing like how horrible Hitler and the Nazis were, and then became very anti the Hitler and the Nazis, which was like a very bold thing to be, mm-hmm. um, just pushing against the status quo. So like he still had that fight and fire in him when it came to inequality in the world. Um, But when it came to science, he like very much became like a old guard, which is funny. Mm. How human of him in that sense. He's allowed his flaws. Everyone is. Okay. So tactically, um, the first thing I would say is like, think about thought experiments when you're having difficulty understanding or explaining something like, can you use that to tell a story? And can that story help other people make sense of that thing? Mm. Uh, find your sailing time. Is it time in the car? Is it a run? Is it the bath? Find that time. Keep it sacred. And let your brain just like unpack and try and figure things out. Because there is nothing more fun than when you finally have your eureka moment. Which I think has also happened in a tub. Isn't that the story of the word eureka? It came from a tub. I have never heard that before. I'm going to have to go Google that after this episode. Um. Keep in mind also that at one point you were the young gun challenging the status quo. So when someone younger comes to you and does it, listen to them, tell them how you made mistakes, and maybe they're right. And how great would it be 
to have been able to support someone and help them avoid their pitfalls when they could be right and make something amazing happen. Mm. And then finally, be curious about everything always. If there's something we learned about all these geniuses is they are incessantly, perpetually, and very happily curious about all things. Well said. So I think for Einstein specifically, I want to know what fascinating thing you think or know about him. I love it. So I feel like a lot of people are going to send us that picture of him sticking his tongue out. And I will look at that a thousand times and I will give you a thumbs up every time. (laughs) So with that, we'd love for you to connect with us on Instagram or LinkedIn. But do not send us that photo of Einstein or do whatever you want. Please send it. Yeah, hundreds (laughs) of times. Just keep sending it. It's great. With that, I've been Shannon. I've been Rami, and this has been Workplace Hugs. <laughs>